0: We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to
1: raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things, the word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform the Holy Spirit, his power and demonstration of the same and love, love for God, for yourself and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted word from God's servant. Get ready for a transformation.
0: I remember First um, Corinthians two from verse six, which says, "I planted, Apollos water, but God, all the while, was causing the inc- the growth, the increase." You know, and I just remember that while we we're discussing this last week, you know, this is just a very um, significant part of the Bible that you know, while we may all work work in the in God's house. You know, let's say we work to bring people in, we work to invite our friends, we work to do this, we work to do that. But ultimately it is God who causes the increase. It is God who causes the growth. It is God this is God who causes the growth, not just numerically now, but even spiritually. It is God who causes the growth. Hallelujah. And then I have verse nine marked here. This is sorry, that was chapter three. Verse nine is marked here. It says, For we are God fellow workers, his servants working together. You are God's cultivate, cultivated field, his garden, his vineyard, God's building. You know, that is also very... And then I, I have this verse marked here. And I think Pastor really likes talking about this. He sometimes quotes this. This is First Corinthians 4 verse 20. It says, For the kingdom of God is not based on talk, but on power. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Um, just um, going back to chapter 3 from verse um, 16 to 17. Um, It says, don't you know that yourselves are God's, this is the NIV version. It says, don't you know that yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. And most of the time, we know this in the context of keeping your body, keeping yourself holy. But you also have to understand that you being God's temple, you have to understand that you carry God in you. And being God's temple is letting you know that you are indestructible anybody who tries to attack you, God destroys that person because you are his temple, right? So understanding that you are God's temple and God lives inside of you is much more than just you keeping yourself holy and trying to do holy things. It also makes you understand that because it the part of the in the Old Testament that says God speaks from his sanctuary. And as New Testament believers, we are God's sanctuary and God speaks from us because now He is in us, right? So you have to be conscious of that whenever you're speaking, right? When God sends forth His voice, He's sending forth His voice through you. And you have to understand that and also be conscious of the fact that you cannot be destroyed because you are the temple of the living God. And if anyone tries to destroy you, God destroys that person. Be it sickness, be it any disease. So once you have that consciousness, you would know, right? Hallelujah. Amen. So, um, We'll just be going into...
0: You know, just before we move on, it's very interesting that the Amplified Classic of yeah. 1 Corinthians 3, verse seventeen actually says, if anyone destroys the temple of God, then in bracket it says, corrupting it with false doctrine. You know, this is quite... Um, this is quite instructive. You know, pastor would always, um, well, usually would recite, would quote this verse that says, you are cleaned by the word that I have spoken unto you. That was Jesus speaking, you know, saying that the word of God cleanses us. You know, so it's kind of showing us now that our bodies are the temple of God, right? But then our bodies can also be um, corrupted. Our bodies can also be defiled. Our bodies can also be cleansed. So it means that accepting false doctrines can actually corrupt our bodies because imagine listening to the doctrine that says sickness is from god god makes you sick just to humble you that would actually bring sickness because then you feel like oh maybe this headache is god's will maybe the cancer is god's will that corrupts your body but then when you receive the word of god that says that by his stripes you were healed by his stripes you have been set free you have been made whole then you are cleansed from that sickness hallelujah
1: amen amen so going into today chapter five um would you like to just start off on chapter 5 and um, let us know your thoughts and what you got out from chapter 5?
0: Hallelujah. Um, chapter 5 talks about immorality. So, Paul here, um, I mean, I, rem- I know we remember that Paul actually wrote, wrote this, the book of Corinthians, to the Corinthian um, church. So, Paul here was re- rebuking immorality. Um, so, verse. So he talks about rebuking the immoral brother and then i will just read from verse 4 now so it says in the name of our lord jesus when you are assembled and i am with you in the spirit with the power of our lord jesus it says you are to hand over this man to satan for the destruction of his body so that his spirit may be saved in the day of our lord jesus now Verse 6 says, You're boasting over the supposed this is amplified. You're boasting over the supposed spirituality of your church is not good. Indeed, it is vulgar and inappropriate. Do you not know that just a little living ferments a whole batch of dough? Just as little sin corrupts a person or, or an entire church. Now, what Paul was trying to talk about here was he was talking about the the immoral brother in church. He was talking about the immoral brother in church and saying that they should um, They should banish this brother. And his instruction here, he's saying that the reason he's saying this to the church is because if you don't deal with that one brother, if you don't deal with that sin that you've seen in the life of one brother, then other people who are watching, which will get more, will go into um, this more as we proceed in the book of... Um, first corinthians so see this more but he's saying that if you don't deal with that one person if you don't deal strictly with that one person who, who you whom you've seen doing something wrong in the house of God who you've seen being immoral in the house of God then it will spread So other people will feel like, oh, wow, maybe they actually condone such things in church. Maybe um, fornication is allowed in this church. Maybe homosexuality is is allowed in this church. Because look at that brother. Brother A, he did this, he did that. I know what he does. And I know the pastor is aware of it. I know the leaders of the church are aware of it. And they did nothing to him. They condoned him. They accepted him. So maybe me with this sin, I'm accepted as well. Which we accept you come as you are. But then the thing is that you would... As you listen to God's word, you have to be re- reformed in your mind. So Paul is saying, deal strictly with that brother. If not, other people will see it and be like, okay, well, that is acceptable, so let's continue in our ways. But when you deal strictly with that, with that particular brother, then the, the others who have seen it, they would avoid such um, immoral behaviors
1: hallelujah um, amen We celebrate yeah. Jesus hallelujah so that was just a recap of what we did last week to um, celebrate this Minister Jumoke Canber damond Larry again for for what they did last week so going into today um, we'll be reviewing from chapter six to chapter 16 um, by the grace of God um, so um, chapter 16 talks about lawsuits among believers and I'm reading um, chapter six from verse one the NIV version um, it says if anyone If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the lost people? Or do you not know that the lost people would judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we would judge angels? How much more the things of this life, right? And for me, like understanding the scripture, just reading the scripture, just first, read this i had a different kind of understanding and i and my background in terms of spirituality um, spirituality and knowing that we are judged in this world i understand that i can sentence anything to death right in terms of sickness diseases anything at all right knowing that you have that power you have that authority Right, just bringing that out of context, out of this context, knowing that, let me say, for instance, that's why most of the time, I mean, from back home, you hear most of all these preachers, it says, in seven days, such person, sentence, right? And I understand that reading this right now, I have a different light when something like that happens, right? But also in this right now, they're also saying that what Paul is trying to um, make us understand is that we as a church we are one body everything should be done and can be done within ourselves right why are we trying to judge cases by going outside when everything can be done on the inside why are we trying to um wash our dirty laundry outside when everything can be kept inside and be settled inside right even some saying right so it's also saying that there are people who are competent enough to judge different cases right and that's my understanding and it says how much more the things of life He said. therefore if you have disputes among such matters do you ask for a ruling from those whose whose way of life is coined in the church I say this to shame you is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers but instead one brother takes another to court and this in front of unbelievers like I said trying to wash dirty laundry or trying to wash or trying to bring out what is in the church giving people the opportunity to make a mockery of you right so that's something that he's trying to um, um, make them understand here um, do you mind just shedding more light on that
0: yes thank you very much um, you know it's just similar to what um, Mr. Jumi and Brother Dame Larry were discussing last week talking about how and I know Mr. Jumi she mentioned it again during prayers tonight talking about how the name of the Lord is blasphemed among unbelievers because of Christians. And it's a thing where, I mean, when you come from a good background, like a good home, it's a thing where your parents will tell you, you cannot start discussing your family matters outside, especially to strangers. As long as they're not part of your family, they are strangers. So you cannot start discussing your family matters with them. It's a thing where your parents will tell you that don't you have a problem with your brother it's not in public you start displaying that you start acting like you know there's an issue going on and even with married couples as well it's like okay there's a problem at home but you don't bring your problems to the public and then let people see that oh there's a problem between this man and his wife that's the same thing with Paul talking in First um, Corinthians 6 it's a thing where you're protecting your family you're realizing that everybody who is named with the name of Christ is my brother is my sister and so if I have an issue with them I will not start suing them to court and let unbelievers judge the matter no I will take it to my to the, my pastor i would take it to the leaders of the church and let them settle the issue you know i think it was jesus speaking too that said if you have a dispute with any man you go and meet your brother and try to settle it if he does not listen then you go and bring another um, person of the faith an elder you go and bring another person of the faith to talk to your brother he didn't say go and take your brother to court so i think it's a thing of realizing that we are family in a good home, you would not sue your brother because your brother did something wrong to you. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, I think Paul was trying to say that too. In church, this is your brother. This is your sister. Treat them as family. Don't take them to court. Don't start broadcasting the issues outside. No. Treat them as this is actually your blood because they are your blood. Hallelujah. Yeah.
1: Amen. And in verse, in verse 7, I love the statement very much. He says, The very fact that you have lost it among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged why not rather be cheated instead you yourselves cheat and do wrong and you do this to your brothers and your sisters right so my understanding from this um says the fact that we have issues to settle is an indication that we lack the understanding of unity and love right because let's say for instance right now um something happens between myself and sister peace why am i blowing it over the roof when I can easily sort this out because she's my sister, right? I know like in the year, um, <clears throat> in the year 2013, when my brother was about coming to um, Canada, I remember, I think it was a night or some nights before he, he left, we had a little fight and this was also physical too, right? And that, later that night, my dad called both of us and he sat us down and he told us, never should it be heard that we both are fighting. From that day up until this point, I can't count like there's there's never been a time i've actually gone to bed angry at my brother or we've had and it's awful, right for me i understand family as family understanding the love that you have family that's why i don't understand i will never understand why people have problems with their siblings right because that's the same blood running in your veins the same blood running in my veins and that's the same understanding that is the same mentality i also carry when it comes to us here in church Right, I mean, there, there are some people who also try to, who are EGRs, who are extra grace required people, right? And sometimes you want to love them from afar, right? But understanding that we are brothers and we are sisters and knowing that these things can be sorted out. There are also some people who don't want to sort things out even while in the church, right? And you have to understand these people. and You have to understand how to apply wisdom, right? So my understanding in this, um. In this verse saying that the fact that you already have lost the fact that you can go to that level shows that you've already been defeated it shows that you don't understand the true meaning of love and unity right the bible says love covers the multitude of sins now it doesn't mean that whatever the person did can just be thrown off it's something that you talk about right and settle within yourselves right hallelujah
0: amen and, you know i think that's why we always say family will always be family and then yeah. when you when i usually when i see um like if i know like, okay, these people are students and they are fighting one thing i say but it's your brother yeah. what's well, your sister family will always be family yeah. you know hallelujah. hallelujah
1: amen um
0: and I, I think just going off of that as well um i like um what paul says in verse nine you know also talking about how that oh the fact that you you know have losses amongst you it means you are already defeated then he says something you know and before i read this it's something that i really like because um okay i'll just read it first (laughs) verse 9 it says do you not know that the unrighteous i'm reading the amplified do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulter- adulterers nor effeminate by perversion nor those who, pra- who participate in s- homosexuality nor thieves nor the greedy nor the drunkards nor revilers whose words are used as weapons wow to abuse insult humiliate intimidate or slander nor swinglers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Then he says something very important in verse 11. He says, And such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God, and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior the source of the believers new life and change behavior. I like what Paul says here. He says, don't you know that the unrighteous people who practice sexual, imm- sexual immorality, the, homosexual- the homosexuals, the adulterers, the idolaters, don't you know that these people will not inherit the kingdom of God? Then he says something. He says, but you are not, you are not like that. Now, these are people whom he has said that the level of immorality that is in your midst, it is great. But then he said something, he says, but you are not like that, you have been washed. So, in other words, Paul is trying to tell them that you are acting this way. But your true nature is not like that. You have been washed. The Lord has, Jesus has washed you from your sins. You are still practicing these things, but you are not like that. You have a new nature. Now, why are you acting contrary to your nature? That is what, why, what Paul is telling them here. So it means that when we see a believer in church who is going astray, who is doing wrong things, who is um, not acting in conformity with, you know, what God has, the way God has called us to act, we tell them, but you are not like this. You are malfunctioning now. You are not like this. This is who you are. God has made you to be this way. Because you see, it says the unrighteous. But then he calls us righteous. In Romans, it says we are, the, we are righteous. God has made us righteous because we believe in Jesus. We are righteous. We are righteous people. There is a life of righteousness. There is a path of righteousness. There is a manner in which the righteous should walk. It's not a thing of, oh, I'm righteous now. I have to start forcing myself. It's an innate nature. It's like I'm a human now. I won't start barking. So if you see me barking, you correct me and say, peace. You are human. You don't bark. If you see me crawling, you will correct me and say, Peace, you are an adult. You need to walk on your feet. That's the same way with the sexually immoral brother. That is the same way with the brother that we see that is going astray. We tell them, you are not like this. You are not like this. You have a character. It is in you. It is in you to act right. That is what we tell them. And I just like how you know Paul really explained this to the Corinthian church. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. I like the way you put that where you say when you see someone not acting their way, it's like they're malfunctioning. Right. And you have to bring them to order and, and let them know this way you're acting is not our true nature. That's not the way we should act. That's not the way we act. Right. So you have to come correct. Hallelujah. And going to verse um twelve, it says now the NIV version, it says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything but I will not be mastered by anything you save food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both the body however is not meant for sexual immorality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body but power God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute I mean like we've had in the past where people ask questions about oh, um, listening to secular music and all of that and then pastor has said several, referencing the scripture, that yeah, you say you have the right to do anything, everything, but not everything is beneficial, right? Would you rather be high in the spirit, like alcohol spirit, or be high in the Holy Spirit? Choose which is beneficial, right? And so that's something that you have to also understand. Okay, now going down to still dwelling on sexual immorality, it says the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. I would just like to read um, the Amplified because I like the way the Amplified um, said that. Do you mind just reading the Amplified version? Um, From verse in.
0: Okay, Um, okay. Before I, I do that, I, I I like the way the TPT puts it. It says, "Some have said I eat to live and I live to eat," you know. But the amplified says, "Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body to save, sanctify, and raise it again because of the sacrifice of the cross."
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The amplifier says, food is intended for the stomach and stomach for the food. So which means your food is meant to go into your stomach and the stomach is meant to house the food. But God will finally end the functions of both and bring them to nothing. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but the body is intended to house the Lord. Just putting that in my word. it said, but it's intended for the Lord. So, you're, so it means that the body, because going by the um, representation or the explanation of food, right so now understand that but your body is for the lord so your body is meant to house the lord and the lord is intended for the body right that's to save to sanctify and to raise it again so if you understand that the stomach is meant to also house this food we also understand that the lord is also intended to actually keep us to sanctify us to purify us to save us right and god both And God both raised the Lord to life and will also raise us up by his power. It says, do you not see and know that your bodies are members, bodily parts of Christ, the Messiah? Am I therefore to take part of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute? Never, never. Or do you not know and realize that when a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? The two, it is written, shall become one flesh. So my understanding from this is making me understand that when you decide to go astray and be joined in flesh with a prostitute, you're attempting to join the body of Christ with a prostitute. And when you think about it in that light, you're saying, what am I doing? Right? Why am I trying to join Jesus with a prostitute? Right? And that gives you a better understanding of what to do and what not to do. Right, so it says But the person who is united to the law becomes one spirit with him. Shun immorality and all sexual looseness has flee from impurity in thoughts, word, or deed. Any other sin which a man commits is one outside the body, but one but he who commits sexual immorality sins against the Lord. Hallelujah. So, um, do you have any other things to say for chapter 6 before we go into chapter 7?
0: Okay, yes, thank you. I think I, I really like the way Paul said, um, if you take your body and join it to a prostitute, he says, am I, not, am I therefore to take the members of Christ and make them part of a prostitute? Certainly not. He says, do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? You know, I've heard someone say that um, the reason the reason we, we say... the reason reason God actually says it's not we who say that, the reason God actually says flee sexual immorality, fornication adultery, lust and all of that it's not just because the reason we don't do that, it's not just because God said not to do that it's because of what he says here it says when you, and it's not just a prostitute when you take your body and join it to someone who you're not married to, you are essentially one with that person now you know, um, in Genesis it says therefore shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and they shall become one the two shall become one flesh we say that as cleave but what it actually means is to have sex with so it's literally saying a man will leave his mother and father and have sex with his wife and they will become one so he's saying that when you have sex with your wife you become one so it means that when you have relations with a woman or a man you essentially become one with that person and then how do you move from that to another person To another person, to another person, it becomes problematic now. So the reason the Lord is saying don't do this is because that that's intimacy, that's we say we even call it intimacy already. It's literally making you one with that person. And now he says you are one with the Lord. Do you not want to join your body to every everybody? Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Amen. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. I hope you're getting blessed tonight. Hallelujah. So, I'm um, going to chapter 7. Now, this is concerning married life. So, we don't have any experience being married. I don't know if you have experience because you never know these days. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. JK, JK, JK. Hallelujah. Um, so, this is concerning married life, and everything we'll we talk about is strictly what the Bible says because I don't have experience and she doesn't have experience. Um, going from chapter 7 verse 1 it says now for the matters you wrote about it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman but since sexual immorality is occurring each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband the wife does not have authority over her own body but use it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body but uses to his wife do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control I say this as a concession, not as a command I wish that all of you were as I am but each of you Each of you has your own gift from god one has his this gift and others have that now this my understanding from this is just letting us know that um from a book i read uh, um relationship goes many of you may know the book right it talks about how god himself is the one that created marriage he understands the inner workings of marriage whether we like it or not he created sex and it was for a purpose and that's for marriage and it should happen in marriage alone right and in that book the writer of that book made us understand that and from also from this scripture we understand that marriage is his he puts it as marriage is a sex container right and it should be done there and he's and paul is saying here that this should be done and never to never deprive your spouse of this except it's mutual where in the sense that maybe you want to pray on a fast and you say okay for this period of time we're not doing any of all these things but he also says after that is done do not deprive each other except to give yourself to satan to to be deceived because at this point you now have people going outside of their marriage because their wives or their husbands are depriving them of this it says you don't have authority over your own body and the husband also doesn't have authority over his own body because you guys are, are one now, right? Understanding that, that you are one, you will know that, okay, this is not mine and, oh, I'm not yours. We are one now, right? So I have no authority over my body and you, have authority over, uh, you don't have authority over your body, right? So that is what the scripture is saying, right? And like, like he said, except um, um, you have mutual consent, where you won't have time apart some people go for um like i said you want to fast you go away and all of that there's a period where it's allowed not to happen right hallelujah do you have anything to say on on that
0: no i don't actually i think you've pretty much said it
1: (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah celebrate jesus hallelujah Amen. Um, do you have anything to say concerning chapter 7?
0: Hallelujah. Amen. No, I actually don't have anything to say. I just like how Paul admonishes that if you're single, remain single. Yeah. But that is not a command from the Lord. It is, I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> if you are single, remain single. That is God's command. But if you cannot hold yourself, get married. Hallelujah. I mean, Amen. again,
1: like I said, this is not based on experience. This is based on what the scripture is saying. Please, if I'm, if I'm not seeing the truth, please let me know I'm not seeing the truth. Hallelujah. Is it in the scripture or not? How do you know it's in the scripture? <laughs> Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. So, um, do you want to go into chapter 8?
0: Sure. So, um, chapter 8, from verse 9. Okay. From verse 9, it says, The Amplified, Only be careful that this liberty of yours... So, now it's talking about um, liberty, talking about food sacrifice to idols. It says that, um, when we read from verse 1, it says now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all have knowledge concerning this. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteous makes people self-righteously arrogant but love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom now here yeah, it was it was paul was talking to the corinthian church that um when you eat it says in verse 4 says in this matter of eating of food offered to idols so he was talking about food offered to idols and eating food that are offered to idols so he says we know that an idol is nothing in the world it has no real existence and there is no god but one now he's saying that if you see if you find food offered to idol he's saying you can eat it right give glory to god and eat it because the idol is nothing the idol can't do you anything you there's only one god who has power and that god is in us but then he says that not all believers in verse 7 it says not all believers have this knowledge so there are, there are believers who um who they feel like if this food has been offered to idols and you eat it you can become sick you can die of it they are scared to do such now it says for these believers it says they are not aware of this it says but some being accustomed throughout their lives to thinking of the idol until now as real and living so thinking that the idol is real and living still eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol because their conscience is weak. It is defiled, guilty, and ashamed. Okay, so to summarize this, Paul is saying that if you want to eat food, that is, you, you think that this food has been offered to an idol now, and you, your conscience is clear. You don't, you're not scared of eating this food offered to an idol. He's saying that if you find another brother there whose conscience is weak, then don't eat it. Now he's saying, don't look out for yourself first. You think that this is okay, this is right, this is fine with you. You have no problem with doing this. But the other brother, if he sees you eating this, he might start thinking somehow, he might start thinking different things. And his conscience is weak. He doesn't believe that. He's still scared that this food can kill someone. He says, because of that brother, do not do it. So verse 9 says, only be careful. He says, verse 8 says, now food will not commend us to God, nor bring us close to him. We are no worse off if we do not eat, nor are we better if we do eat. Then he says, only be careful that this liberty of yours, this power to choose, does not somehow become a stumbling block. That is a temptation to sin, to the weak in conscience. Because that brother has seen you eat the food offered to idols. Might say, okay, maybe there is nothing in it. Let me eat it as well. But the person does not really believe there is nothing in it. And so when the person is eating that food, the person's conscience is not clear. So in doing that, you have become a stumbling block to that brother. He says, for if someone sees you, a person having knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, then if he is weak, will he not be encouraged to eat things sacrificed to idols and violate his own convictions it says for through your knowledge your spiritual maturity this weak man is ruined that is he suffers in his spiritual life the brother for whom christ died And and when you sin against the brothers and sisters in this way and wound their weak conscience by confusing them you sin against christ I, I think it's, it's very clear, it's basically um, in this part of the world, I'm not sh- I don't know if we often come across foods offered to idols in the grocery store but then it's the way we can relate this to present day activities, is, I'm, I'm sure you have an example um, but the way we can relate it is when you see a man who is weak in conscience, you know there are certain things you know that if you do, you have a better understanding but that person does not have a better understanding so if you if you know this, then don't do it Not because it's wrong not because um if you do it god would be angry with you but just do it because of your brother do it for the sake of your brother hallelujah i think it's the same way where um, parents they have children who um the children probably believe in i'm trying to look for an example now the children believe in certain things that are not really, they don't really make sense but then they avoid doing those things because the children might not start crying and be like oh my gosh mommy you did this but they just do it just for the sake of the child that is what Paul is saying here, hallelujah
1: hallelujah, celebrate Jesus, hallelujah Um, for chapter 8 I would just like to read um, from verse 4 the amplified version and it says in this matter then of eating food offered to idols we know that an idol is nothing, has no real existence. Like Sister P said also, and there is no God but one. Hallelujah. For for although there may be so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many of them, both of gods and of the Lord's and masters, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things. And reading this and understanding that everything comes from God. Every, like the Bible says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And knowing and acknowledging the fact that God is the source of everything and for whom we have life. Like pastors made us know that, and understand from teachings that the only reason we have life is Jesus. We live because of Christ. It's for whom we have life. So it's because of God that we have life and we have life to shine his light, right? And so for whom we have light, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through and by whom are all things. Through and by whom are all things. The Bible makes us understand in First John um, chapter 1, it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the God, and the Word was um, without form of all of that, right? It makes us understand that Jesus Christ is the Word that formed everything, right? So it says here that, One Lord, Jesus Christ, and through him, and also understanding in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said, "He's he's the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through him. So, one Lord, Jesus Christ, through and by whom are all things, and through and by whom we ourselves exist. So, we exist through Jesus. We exist through the word spoken. We exist because of Christ. So the reason that you are alive, the reason that you have breath in you, like the Bible says, and for whom we, we have life. So we have life for Christ. The only essence of our living is for Christ. He said, nevertheless, not all believers possess this knowledge, but some through being, through being all their lives, until now accustomed to thinking of idols as real and living, still consider the food offered to an idol, and that sacrifice to an actual God, and that we consciences become defiled and injured if they eat. And just going back to what um, Sister P said in, from verse 9 to 13 and understanding that say for an example right now um, you're an altar minister or you serve in the church and someone is new in the faith there are certain things that everybody watches everybody and that's something that we all have to come to understand, right? You're on the altar, you're serving here you come to church, you serve you come on the altar but then on Saturday you're found in the club or you're found taking alcohol and not trying to get drunk and all of that and someone who is new in the faith right who doesn't really have an understanding of that and is trying to really grow sees you and says oh, okay um, I'm not really sure but I'm, I'm gonna end up doing this at the end of the day because they've seen you as someone like the enemy says for if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge right the amplifier says Seeing you, a man having knowledge of God with an intelligent view of this subject. So many people see people in church or on the altar as people who have deep insight and understanding of God's word. So when they see you do something that they are trying to understand, right? And they are really, really weak in, um, in, in understanding, like Sister Peace said, right? Because of that reason, you shouldn't do that thing. Lest they stumble. And the Bible says when you do something like that, you sin against that person, and therefore you're sin against Christ. Right? And Paul admonishes us to in verse 13, he says, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again. So if what you do is causing someone else to fall, is causing someone else to stumble, you have to choose never to do that again right? It says, I will never eat meat again so that I would not cause them to fall. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So, um, going over to chapter 9, chapter 9, and I read from verse 1 in the NIV, it says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, Surely I am to you, for you are a seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And there's something that I wrote here, and it says, This is why it's necessary to share the testimony that you receive, especially when a word is declared by a man of God. It confirms the oil of God upon his life. So, God's servant, Pastor Wally, declares words of prophecy. You receive your testimony it's important that you share your testimony. It's important that you tie it to the word. Because God's servant, on the other hand, on the other hand, may say, oh, God, you said this but must any manifestation. But someone, on the other hand, had received their testimony, right? And that's why it says, for you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Hallelujah. In, in the Amplified, it says, the Amplified, it says, Even if I'm not considered an apostle, a special messenger, by others, at least I am one to you for you are the seal, the certificate, the living evidence of my apostleship in the Lord, confirming and authenticating it. Hallelujah. And then this um, chapter is just really more about, um, this beginning of chapter 9 is just really more about a man of God or a spiritual leader feeding from the church. From verse 7 in NIV, it says, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? I'm going to chapter, chapter 11. Sorry, from verse 11, it says, If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? right shouldn't we have it all the more and my understanding from this in chapter 7 is that it's where you plant that's where you eat right and from, from verse 12 it's also letting us know that if you can't do it for your fellow brethren why can't you do it all the more for your spiritual leaders who feed you constantly who feed you constantly right and it says but we do not use this from this is still chapter um verse 12. But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. And verse 13, it says, Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. That's why it's not bad if a pastor is paid by the church right so many many people may feel like oh um, the pastor is eating church money and all of that and all but this is what the scripture is saying yes obviously he's not meant to go into the pockets of the church and then start taking because obviously he's meant to now eat from the church right it has to be done orderly right but then he's letting us understand that this is your life this is your life so you can and you should also feed from this place I don't know if you want to shed um, light on that.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, it makes me think about like, um, which, you know, Pastor has said it so many times that his desire is to focus squarely on ministry. And he said something that um, the times that he was on um, paternity leave, that, and when we had the whole COVID incident and then we had to move into the basement, those were times where, you know, the ministry really benefited from his attention to the word. Don't we want that? Mm-hmm. Don't we love that, you know? But that's something that, if he says tomorrow, okay, let me give my attention to the church. It's not just to the ministry now. The ministry is not just—it's not just the ministry, the building now. It's the people. So, if he gives his attention to the people, then it makes no sense for someone to say, oh this pastor is feeding from church no he's like he's giving his all he's pouring his all into the ministry into the church into the people and so i think that's what paul was was saying that it is only right that we as a church the members take care of their pastor because he's taking care of them he's feeding them Hallelujah. hallelujah
1: amen and just going over to um verse 19 it says though i am free and belong to no one I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible and reading this I I was able to go back to when pastor was talking about um, the person he just reconnected with who um, people from a particular church whenever he gave up like he gave an excuse of not wanting to come to church oh I don't have clothes they bought clothes for him oh um, my clothes are not ironed they came and they ironed his clothes they came and washed his clothes And this is what he's also saying here is, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Going all out for souls, going all out for people. That's why you have people here in church who pay Ubers for people to be in church, who buy, as a church, we buy groceries for people. And we do this, not because we pride ourselves in that. God has given us the privilege to do that. But also to let them know that this is a family. And we are to care for you. And understanding that this makes people know that indeed this is a family. And it makes them want to draw closer to you. Like now, um, that story of Pastor referencing the person he reconnected with. Now that person is now in Christ and is sold out to God. So what happened if these people didn't sell themselves to this person and slave for this person? What would have happened to that soul? Right? And verse 20 it says, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews to those under the law I became like under like one under the law though I myself I'm not under the law so as to win those under the law that's why I mean several times we've heard um, stories of how pastor went to um, he was doubting for evangelism and he went to um, where people were smoking and then they tried putting off and said oh no 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 don't do that so go on keep smoking right and that's in light of this also. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. And to, the un- and to those under the law, I became like one under the law. Right? So we, don't, we should not segregate. We should not look down upon because now we are saved. And then those who are in the world, we just, oh, I'm not trying to associate with you or anything. Right? So you must always have to learn to bring yourself to a level where you communicate with them and communicate with people that have a particular understanding so they understand you that you understand them hallelujah do you want to shed light on that amen,
0: amen. um just before I, I move there i like what paul said in verse 16 when he says okay. if i merely preach the gospel i have nothing to boast about yeah. this is why i'm compelled that is absolutely obligated to do it you know it, it's just so profound and i mean some of us might you know, say, oh, right now I'm not preaching the gospel, like in church, you're not preaching in church. But it, it just opens my eyes to see that service is not when I feel like, when I don't feel like, it's like an obligation. You have to do it. You have to preach the gospel. And every one of us has a commission to preach the gospel. You might not sit, stand up here rather to preach the gospel, but on the streets, in your workplace, in your school, obligated to preach the gospel and you know what paul you know said in the latter verses verses from verse 20 saying that to the jews i became as a jew so that i may win jews for christ to men under the law i became like someone under the law just to win them you know it it makes me see clearly that this work of christianity it's a very humble work you know as you were saying just now that um because i made myself a slave to everyone it just made me remember how you know back home i see people who work in high places but i mean they, these people they are they are wealthy but then they, they, you see them coming to sweep church clean church and then you feel like oh these ones maybe they are the peasants but they are not oh. so it's like this walk of christianity it's it's what's the word now it's it's a walk where when you work you when you you cannot walk the walk of christianity without being humble without looking for the other person first. You know, in popular culture, we say, do you first. And it sounds right to the, to the mind. Do you first. Seek after your own good first. Do you first. But what God actually says is, look out for the other person first before you. And, you know, he's saying look out for the other person because Christ is looking out for you. Hallelujah. He says to so the Jews, I became as a Jew. You know, when I, when I did my youth service in, this was in 2017, I served in a very, very funny place where they did not sister tennis laughing because that's her village i served yes i served in a village um i served in a place where they did not have borehole. they did not have borehole. they didn't have tap water okay i shouldn't continue okay <laughs> that's the kind of place i served and the people there felt like if you wear trousers you are a prostitute that was their belief and I didn't know. Like I was coming out of private university, you know, all the makeup, the nails, the hair, trousers, heels. And I would usually go weekends to preach to these people and they were speaking their foreign language. I would not understand. You know, when I tried to talk with them in my trousers, and it's not like it was indecent. Decent. When I tried to talk to them, they won't listen to me. They were speaking in Europe, but I had to, you know, ask the other people, what are they saying? And that was when I found out that these people were calling me prostitutes. They were calling me a prostitute because I was wearing trousers so i didn't that thing touched me like but this is not this is not indecent i had to change i had to literally start wearing skirts and not the kind of skirt that was on my knee below my knee i had to start tying my hair taking off the makeup just so that these people would listen to me and when i did that they were more receptive then the market women would listen to me they would laugh with me and they would be like ah my Pekin," you know they would listen to me but before they couldn't that's what paul is saying here that's what they drew i became like a jew there is no. what do you want to do say what well, it's their loss i'm trying to pray the gospel to them if you don't receive the message you're going to be damned that's not the mindset which is true if they don't receive the message it's their it's for their it's their loss but that is not the mindset that paul wants us to have he wants us to have the mindset that if this person feels offended by you wearing trousers what's the big deal why not just wear skirts if they feel offended by you wearing skirts why not tie a wrapper just so you can win that person over what is more important to prove that you are right or to win that soul over for god hallelujah. hallelujah and i think that's something we can you know learn today you know meet people where they are you know and i can go to another place where they all believe in wearing trousers and everything and then they see me wearing skirt, they are going to be like ah, this one is not civilized i have to then dress and wear i mean obviously i won't dress and dress indecently or whatever but meet people where they are you know, just so you can win them over for Christ. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Just uh, like to run very fast. I'm um, still on that chapter 9 and all. I really like the ending of the chapter 9 where it says from verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Hallelujah. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my sleeve. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So making you understand that whatever you preach to others, you also have to put yourself under that same preaching too. Right? So you teach to people, oh, um, um, let me say for instance, wouldn't you rather be filled with the Holy Spirit, rather right, than be filled with alcoholic drink? But later on, in the same weekend, you're going out to actually drink, right? So this is what is trying to say, right? But I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. This talks about self-discipline, disciplining yourself, becoming a law to yourself, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. May we not be disqualified for the prize in Jesus' name. Do you want to um, go into chapter 10? Please go into chapter 10.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. Chapter 10, verse 24. Oh, well, I already touched on this. It says, let no one seek only his own good, but also that of the other um, person. And I think um, chapter 10 is still just, you know, just reiterating all that Paul has been saying in the other um, chapters. But I think that's all I had marked for chapter 10.
1: Okay, hallelujah. In chapter 10, um, from verse three it says they all this is not talking about the israelites They say they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was christ nevertheless god was not pleased with most of them their bodies were not scattered in the wilderness now when i read this and understood how the israelites went through the wilderness for 40 years and understanding that they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them now we know that the rock is Christ and we know that the rock is the word of the Lord this drink that they drank from this spiritual rock preserved them and they, they didn't thirst so whenever you actually drink from the word as when you study you give yourself to the study of the word it satisfies you it preserves you right and that's what happened for the Israelites it says they were also accompanied by that rock and you must get to a point where you give yourself to to submission of the lord to be accompanied by him and the one way you can have the holy spirit or have jesus accompany you is by constant study of the word because the word will lead you in the way you should go right you don't need to hear an audible voice like pastor has um, taught us about the written word um when we talk about um how to hear God's voice, right? Make you understand that you can hear God's voice through his word because his voice is his word. Hallelujah. And just going to verse um, 13, it says, no temptation has over- has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can also endure. Um, verse The amplified version from verse um, 13 states that for no temptation no trial regarded as enticing to sin no matter how it comes or where it leads has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is common to man whatever you're going through whatever temptation someone else has gone through that and someone else has overcome it right and god will not allow you to be tempted more more, much more than you can handle and even if that happened god always has a way out of that situation that's why Never try to do things and never try to overcome things by your own strength because your strength will fail you. And you must give yourself to the submission of the Holy Spirit to help you because He always knows the way out of that situation. Hallelujah. Uh, let's just go quickly to um, chapter 11.
0: And you know what you said actually just puts my heart at ease knowing that God is experienced, He's not learning. Exactly. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, do you want to start chapter 11?
0: Amen. Amen. Um, Chapter 11 talks about um, Christian order. Um, It says, Every man who talks about a man prophesying with something on his head, dishonors the head, should pray without covering his head. Um, And then I'll just go to verse 26. So from verse 23, he starts to talk about um, the Lord's Supper, which is the communion. And I like what he says in verse 26 so this is chapter 11 verse 26. i like what he says there the passion translation says whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you are retelling the story proclaiming our lord's death until he comes the amplified says um you are sim- you are symbolically I like this for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are symbolically proclaiming the fact." of the lord's death until he comes again i know this is so profound it means that whenever we partake of the communion table we are proclaiming the death of the death of jesus but it's not just that jesus died he didn't die and stay there he rose and it's not just that jesus died from the jesus died and then he was raised from the dead it is that we died with him we're raised with him so it's not just the victory of jesus that we are proclaiming we are also proclaiming our victory when we partake of the communion table. So it's like whenever we partake of the blood and the, the, the flesh of Jesus, which is what we do when we partake of the communion table, it's like we are proclaiming our victory all over again. We are saying again that I am free from sickness. I am free from the depression. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hallelujah. And that is why the communion is so, is so vital. It's so important because we don't just partake of the communion table without thinking about it, no. We remind ourselves that this actually means that I am free from the sickness. You know, it, it's, a, it's a reminder, and it says that um, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. It means that you can succeed, you can walk your way out of the, the tribulation, the sickness, by your knowledge. Because when knowledge comes, then you are able to act on the knowledge. Hallelujah.
1: Yeah, just, just um, talking more about understanding what you're doing right if you understand the potency of the blood and the flesh of jesus things happen miracles happen hallelujah um right now we're going to chapter 12 and this talks more um, of concerning spiritual gifts Um, i'll read from verse from verse six it says there are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone it is the same god at work Verse 7 Say now to each one the manifestation of the spirit manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there's to one there's given through the spirit a message of wisdom that's a word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues all of these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines and this is something that I mean we're a supernatural church and every like every child we always see this manifest where you have um, a word of knowledge oh there's somebody here that is a word of knowledge if you want to have more understanding on this we took um, the series last year about the Holy Spirit and we talked about the gift of the Spirit we talked about the seven gifts of God right and understanding that this the Bible says now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good there's a part of um, the verse that says is given for all it's not given to just pastors it's not given to just evangelists it's not given to just people who preach on the altar it's for everybody right and going um down in in this chapter it makes us um he urges us to actually crave for it for the edification of the church right word of prophet um what of wisdom word of knowledge right Working of miracles the gift of faith right gift of faith they says, there's a um, version that says wonder working faith that's the faith to dare the impossible and do the incredible right so and he says all this at the work of one and the same spirit and he He distributes them to each one just as he determines. And one way for you to actually get this is for you to crave it. There must be a thirst. There must be a hunger. Right? There must be a thirst. There must be a hunger. You must get to a point where it's like, you know, this is not just for pastors. This is also for me. And I can actually get this by just being thirsty for it. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you want to um, say anything about that?
0: Um, the only thing I wanted to say is I just when you were speaking, I just remembered how when Pastor took us, that d- that was a recharge um, recharge series. Um, I just remember him saying that these gifts are for the church are for other people. So it's to strengthen other people, other people in the faith and they are not for personal uh, consumption. So while he was saying, craving, 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 I don't know if maybe someone was thinking, I want this for myself. No, you know. I remember Pastor saying that it's for other people, it's for the church, not for personal um, consumption. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. And verse um, 21 to uh, verse 26 just talks about, actually from verse 12 to 26, just talks about the body of Christ, how we are all members of this body and we are all important, right? And verse 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts... That we think are less honorable we treat to special honor so you're just saying that whether gets experience whether media we need you we need you to function we need you to actually advance this kingdom in verse 26 it says if one part suffers every part suffers with it so let's say for instance media decides not to come to church it would it would show that the media is not in church Guest experience experience, not in church. It to show expression not in church. It to show. It shows how important each and every one is in church, and that's why it's good for everyone to give yourself to service, knowing that we need you. The Lord is counting on you, because if you do not have the eyes, how do you see to walk? If you do not have the hand, how do you see to hold anything or feel anything? Right? Everyone is important, and we must actually have this understanding that if one part suffers, we all suffer. Hallelujah. Um, going into chapter thirteen, this talks about love, and um, from verse from verse four, it talks about the characteristics of love. It says, "Love is patience." I mean, like we know, love is first a noun before a verb. Love is a person, and that person is Jesus. Love is patience, which is says God is patient. Love is kind; it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud it does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always preserves. love never fails but where there are prophecies um they will see so Jesus talks about crisis of love and you have to every time maybe i'm i'm not in right I always remember the scripture and understand what exactly love is and when I see myself acting contrary to this I begin to understand that okay I'm actually not working in love if I'm easily angered I'm not acting in love if you're someone who is you pride yourself in being oh you have temper issues and you pride yourself in being so you, anything can get you angry oh that's how I am that's not how you are like sister peace mentioned earlier that if you act that way you're malfunctioning right and you saying that you have God in you and you saying that you're Christian, you must walk and act in love. Right? And this would um, further explain what love is and you understand the characteristics of love and these are also the characteristics of God himself too. And these are the same characteristics that you should have. Right? So it says love actually never fails. Do you want to say um, anything on that?
0: Um, very quickly, I'll just say that um, for me, my experience in Christianity is that before and which the bible says in first john says we love him because he first loved us my experience in christianity is that i love god now because i have received the love of god because now i know that god loves me and so i have received his love and you know the scripture says that love other people because christ has loved you love other people because christ has loved you so whenever i read first corinthians 13 the first thing i do is to think that this is god so when i say love is love endures with patience. I say God endures with patience. God is kind towards me. God is not easily irritated by me. God is not easily angered by me. I say all these things first. Knowing that this is how how God loves me, then I I think and I remember that Scripture says that the love of God in Romans, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. So it means that the love of God is in me. So if I have this love of God in me, it means that this is the way I would act. And you know, one thing I love so much about the Word of God is that the Word of God is not just... It's not just by reading it. And so when you read it, you want to follow what it's saying. The word of God makes a person. That's why God told Joshua, meditate on these things so that you would observe to do. He says, so that. So when you meditate on the word, the word makes you, because the word is a person. The word of God, these words we are reading, they're not just mere letters it's a person the word of the the says every scripture is god breathed it means that god has infused His life into his very words so it means that if i want to learn how to walk in love which has happened to me so many times so many times when i feel like oh this is i'm not acting right now i'm not walking in love i just begin to meditate on first corinthians 13 and literally that helps me walk in love because when you give yourself to god's word when you meditate on god's word you become what the word of god says and it is actually that simple hallelujah and so that's everything i actually have to say for about first corinthians 13.
1: hallelujah Um, we'll just go quickly to um chapter 14. it says from verse one it says follow the way of the Lord. follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit especially prophecy for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to to people but to god indeed no one understands them the utter mysteries by the spirit but the one who prophesies this also talks about in um, amplified, um, amplified from verse 3, it says, But on the, other hand, on the other hand, the one who prophesies, that's one who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching, that's also preaching and teaching the word, speaks to men for their, up, for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself. But he who prophesies, that 's interpreting the divine will and purpose, and teaching with inspiration, edifies and improves the church and promotes the growth in Christian wisdom, um, pity, holiness, and happiness. Right? So, you don't come to church, and I mean, if a pastor comes to church and all he's doing is just speaking in tongues, we're not going to understand what he's saying. Right? If he's if if he's trying to teach, let me say, he goes into a scripture and the next thing you're hearing is brohoko, You're like, what is this man saying? Right? And it doesn't make any sense. That's why it says, but the one who speaks, who prophesies, speaks to the people for their strengthening. That's why when you hear the word, when the word is being preached, you're strengthened, you're encouraged, you're comforted. That's why when you hear the word, sometimes you feel at peace. Maybe you come to church being so battered or feeling heartbroken, but then you hear your word in season and you're strengthened, you're encouraged. Hallelujah. Um, so we go into, do you have anything to say for chapter 14?
0: Um, the only thing I have marked for chapter 14 is just verse 4, which says that the KJV says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edified himself. It says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edified himself. He that speaks in tongues edified himself. And the word edified there means okudomyo. That's the the word translated edify. And it actually means to build a house, to erect a building. So it it means he that speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. You know, in elementary school, we're taught that, you know, their food builds up the body. There are body building elements or however they said it. But you know what I mean. There are energy building or body building. You know, food builds up your body. And even when you go to the gym, there's body building as well. So he's saying that when you speak in tongue, you build yourself up. That's what he's saying. So, are you, do you feel like your body is malfunctioning now? He says, speak in tongues. You build yourself. You know, in Jude 1, it says, rise higher like an, like an edifice, speaking in other tongues. So, it means that when we speak in tongues, we are building up our bodies. We are building up ourselves when we speak in tongues. Because power is released when we speak in tongues. You know, when, we, when I go down, it says that um, to build is also to promote growth in Christian wisdom, in affection, in grace, in virtue in holiness, in blessedness. So it means that speaking in tongues does so much for us. speak It's not praying in English. Now, it says speaking in tongues edifies. It edifies because you're praying in the spirit. Now, you're building up yourself. You know, it also means to embolden. So are you feeling nervous? Are you feeling shy? You're feeling always scared, always shy nervous it says speak in tongues you will strengthen your body you become bolder as you speak in tongues so i just want to encourage us you know when we come to church and then you hear the person um on the altar say begin to speak in tongues now even when you come for let us pray pray more in tongues you know paul said i will pray in the spirit and then i'll pray my understanding but the bible you know pastor has said that when the bible puts a full stop it's not a mistake if it's a comma it's not a mistake if it comes first it's not a mistake it is very significant that paul said that i will pray in the spirit then i will pray in the understand it means that pray in tongues first you know paul said i speak in tongues more than you all and we saw the life of paul so speak in tongues you're having challenges in one aspect of your life or another with um resisting saying no to something to sin or whatever speak in tongues more hallelujah
1: hallelujah and we're just going to um celebrate jesus hallelujah are you blessed tonight amen um chapter 15 talks about the resurrection of christ and i really love from verse 9 it says for i am the least of the apostles and not even deserve to be called an apostle this is paul speaking because i persecuted the church but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace to me was not without effect no i worked harder than all of them yet not i but the grace of god that was with me and some people see this and you know when you hear some people not trying to put in the work because like grace is available yes grace is available but you have to put in the work and that's why paul stood out grace was available but he put in the work he gave himself to the study of the scriptures and that's why he had more results than the other apostles that's why he says but by the grace of god i am what i am his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet, not I, but the grace of God was in me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what we believe. Hallelujah. Do you want to just um, talk more in um, chapter 15?
0: Um, I think the uh, pretty much the entirety of 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the, the rapture. Um, I like what he says verse 44 is basically just saying that christ is coming back you know christ jesus is in heaven right now and saying that he's coming back and basically saying that when jesus comes, and we hear the sound of the trumpets on that day of the rapture of the church that the dead the people who are falling asleep right now those who are resting in the lord that those ones will be raised and then we will be raised together with them so it means that christ is coming back and those who have slept they are going to be raised from the dead but then he says something that we're then going to be given a new body we're going to be given new bodies and that but the body we're going to be given will be immortal you know it says verse 44 it says it is sown talking about the body now it says it is sown a natural body but it is raised a spiritual body in verse 51 says we will not all sleep so it means that not every one of us will die right um we will not all sleep in death but we will all be completely changed so it means that um yeah it's explanatory, we will not all sleep in death but we will all completely be changed it says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the last trumpet call for a trumpet will sound and the dead who believed in christ will be raised imperishable and we will be completely changed wondrously transformed. Hallelujah. And, you know, he says in verse 54 that, and this perishable, talking about our mortal bodies, would put on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, death is swallowed up in victory. You know, when I read this today, I I was happy. So it means that at that time when Jesus comes and we put on the immortal bodies, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more crying of death there'll be no more sickness nothing no would we'll have immortal bodies and and that is actually something to look forward to hallelujah
1: hallelujah in um verse 19 it says if only for this life we have hope in christ we are of all people most to be pitied so you must always learn to keep heaven and an eternity in view because life doesn't end here after here Whether you like it or not, there's heaven and there's hell. And if you don't get your part or your way straight here, if you're here right now and you ask yourself this question, if trumpet blows right now, where will you go? And just be very honest with yourself. And when it's time for the altar call, have question yourself, examine yourself, that if God should come right, Jesus should come right now, will I go with him or not? So in our daily activities, however we live our life, we must keep heaven in view. And of recent, just even after, um, myself, um, brother, Ken, uh, my and personally went to Winnipeg. There's just this hunger to actually behold Christ face to face. Now much more than ever. I'm like, I can't wait to actually see this person. I can't wait to actually see God. And that's because I also now have much now, now more than ever. I have heaven in view right and we must always have that in view and yes we're here to display and we're here we live because of christ also and everything we do also is for christ but we should not just have a myopic view of life as life ends here there's life after death right and you don't want to end up in hell for eternity because it's an infinite loop it keeps going hallelujah and I'm um, just going to the final chapter for tonight. Celebrate God for grace. Celebrate grace somebody. Hallelujah. Um, do you want to just start um, chapter 16?
0: Hallelujah. So chapter 16 basically talks about, um, you know, Paul just giving his final um, instructions to the church. Um, it says in chapter 16, Hallelujah.
1: Amen.
0: It is in chapter 16, talks about his plan to visit them, um, talking about many doors have been opened to him, but there are many adversaries urging the church to pray for him. And he basically just greets the church and gives them um, final instructions, you know, and um, just to reiterate what you, you said earlier, when we have, when we see the bigger picture, it helps us stay focused. So sometimes we can be so short-sighted and run after things in the earth, but then when we have this view that Jesus is coming again really soon, you know, we are able to put things in perspective. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. And I just really love um, verse 8 where it says, but I will stay on Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. And also just taking this um, out of this particular context and also understanding that God has already blessed you. There are doors, there are open doors for you. And like we had during Let Us Pray, that yes, it has been declared as our month of a new thing. But we also have to contend and enforce that. Because there are adversaries who also try to stop this from happening. So you always have to contend and hold. And it says, with this prophecies, you worry a good word, or fair. Right? So the prophetic word has gone forth as our month of a new thing. So you hold on to that word and keep enforcing it and keep contending with this hallelujah verse 13 says be on your guard stand firm in the faith be courageous be strong do everything in love if you know that the household of stephanus hallelujah oh you blessed tonight you're blessed tonight hallelujah do you have anything in closing that you just would like to share
0: no that's actually everything i think we could just um, pray for those who are watching or who are here who would you know like to be born again tonight You know, we've talked about Jesus tonight. We've talked about that Jesus is coming back again. We've talked about heaven and hell. Everyone who does not believe in Jesus, there's only one way for them to go, and that's the the way of hell. They will definitely and surely go to hell. So tonight, we want to invite everyone who is not born again. You know in your hearts, you know when you're born again, you know when you're not born again. It says the Spirit in us helps us to cry out, Abba, Father. Maybe there's nothing in you that's crying out, Abba, Father. You've never confessed Jesus as your Lord. This is your moment. It says in Romans 10 that if you believe that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, if you believe in your heart that this is true, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Let's say you've not been saved tonight. This is your moment. I just want you to say these words after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you tonight. I ask that you will save me tonight. I believe that you were raised from the dead I believe that you are alive, and tonight I confess that you are Lord you are Lord over my life help me Lord and thank you father because I am now born again in Jesus name we trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.